Hi, and this is Ron Funches from Trolls World Tour, from Harley Quinn, and from Quibby's Nice One. And I'm sitting here with Elias in the man cave. Ooh, it's dark in here. (laughs) Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal. You're my boy, boo. Yo, ain't you? with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah. TV. Nice. Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more. From deep inside the man cave, your host, Elias. Ron, welcome to the cave. Thanks for having me in the cave. How are you, man? What's new with you? Ah, you know. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. Like, you know, going out and about, globe trotting, you know, <laughs> going around town. No, just stuck in the house, downloading uh, old Super Nintendo games, trying to uh, figure out what I want to play, figure out what I haven't played, and just chilling, trying to keep the, everything afloat. Just relax. How are you doing? Good, man. I can't complain. You know, I'm, lately I've been working from home. I have two very young kids, you know, so it's a battle. Yeah, how old are they? Uh, my daughter is five, and uh, my son is two. Oh yeah, that's rough. Yeah, I'm lucky at my son's seventeen, so he he pretty much just goes off to his room, and I don't see him for twenty four hours. So <laughs> that's right. And you mentioned video games. The funny thing is, like recently, I started playing Sega Genesis with my daughter, and she loves it. Oh, what is she into? What does she play? She likes playing Sonic. So oh yeah, the yeah. Old, old school Sonic. So she loves that. It's good taste. You got to get her on that Aladdin game, too. Uh, we tried that. It was a little difficult for her, but we tried that. Mm, yeah, I can see that five. That's a little, yeah, that's a little advanced for five. But she'll yeah. learn. Oh, yeah, she'll learn. I think the whole thing is, like, she's lo- she loves spending time with me because, you know, I bring her downstairs to the cave. And she's like, oh, my God, like, I never come down here for anything. So I think she's, <laughs> more, she's more excited about that whole one-on-one time. I don't think, I don't think she cares what she's doing down here. Oh, that's good that she loves you. She loves you. That's, that's right, my friend. That's right. So, man, uh, you've been busy the last few years, right? With that, you have stand-up comedy, acting, voiceover, man. Like, do you sleep at all? Yeah, I love sleeping. <laughs> I take a fair amount of naps, to be honest with you. Um, I just... <laughs> but, yeah, I stay busy. Um, yeah, I, I just, you know, I don't like being bored, and I like having... Um, Especially when I started, I kind of just wanted to focus on stand-up, and that's all I thought I'd ever be. And to get the opportunity to be in like cartoons or to act in things is such a like icing on the cake to me that it, you know, it's it's a lot, but it doesn't really feel like work to me. Yeah. Um, it just is uh, my passion. I love it, especially like the, all the new stuff I'm doing, like the Har- Harley Quinn and stuff. Yeah. I'm seeing people. Um, reaction to that and watching that grow from being on like the dc universe where nobody was really seeing it to people liking it so much so now they're moving it to like sci-fi and hbo max and um just makes me happy because i really like i really like that cartoon yeah yeah we'll definitely definitely talk about those but let's start with you first like where are you originally from my friend um i'm originally from chicago how was it growing up there I, you know, I mean, I grew up in the south side of Chicago. It's not very, uh, um, it's a little more rough and tumble than I was. A little more, I was a little more of a weird guy, a weird kid, and so I didn't really fit in. But, you know, that didn't really change from when I grew up. So, (laughs) but um, I have a a big fondness for Chicago, especially, you know, watching like this last dance that's been on ESPN. That's awesome. Yeah, like that was my childhood, so that's really fun to go back and watch. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah we're around the same age, so like I grew up with like the same stuff as you, and yeah, like I'm from uh, Massachusetts, so I'm a huge Celtics fan. But just watching Jordan play all those years was amazing. Oh yeah, yeah, truly. My, and uh, my mom even went to like she went to a couple of his great games. She went to the, one of his good games against the Trailblazers, and I didn't. The only game I ever went in person was when he was retired for those two years, but. Uh, I know, but still a big Bulls fan my whole life, so love so, so I read online, you uh, at 13, you uh, you moved to Oregon. How did that happen? Uh, my dad was moving out there. He was working in construction, and I, um, you know, again, I wasn't really fitting in in Chicago, so I thought, why not give it a shot? And 
I think it was the best thing for me because it kind of um, was a big culture shock for me. I learned a lot of new things and met a lot of new different types of people and heard a lot of new different types of music. So it was. <laughs> so where did you enjoy living the most? Chicago, you think, or was it Oregon? I mean, kind of like where I live now in Los Angeles, you know, like I like the valley and most of all, I kind of just because I moved around a bit. And I think also with my job traveling so much, um, I kind of just learned to like being wherever I'm at, you know, like I just enjoy myself and I enjoy um, usually the circle of people I have around me. So I try to just love love all the stuff. But, you know, I definitely kind of miss the beginnings growing, you know, starting comedy in Oregon and, and, and being able to stay up till two in the morning, eating Philly cheesesteaks and, and grinders. I miss that. <laughs> so like, okay. So growing up, did you have any idea that this is what you wanted to do? That you wanted to get the entertainment industry? Yeah, absolutely. When I was five, I knew I loved comedy since I was a little, you know, very young age, but I didn't think it was a real job. I thought it was something like you had to be born into or somebody picked you for it. It wasn't until I started seeing like open mics and stuff in Portland and seeing that it was like, you know, there were people who were really funny, but there was also people that were horrible. <laughs> and, and seeing that kind of made the job a lot less scary, you know? So, yeah. so um so like when you to- when you told your family like you know your parents like this is what I want to go do like what was their reaction? I mean most of them that's kind of it was kind of a reinforcing because the people who knew me the best were like yeah that makes sense and there was people who didn't know me that well who were like what you're so shy why why would you ever do that but like my mom who I thought would be the one who was most against it especially since I already had my son by then you know. Uh, she was like, no, I can see you doing that, but if you're going to do it, you need to take it seriously like a job. Mm-hmm. So how did you get started in the stand-up comedy? How old were you? I was 23. I, I assume you just jumped right on the open mic one night? Um, yeah, just researching it, wanted to go up. I was like hating my job, working at a bank call center, and... Um, they kind of gave me this little project where I got to make this funny little video and they showed it to like the whole whole uh, team, I guess you would call it, the whole site. And, and it got all these laughs, but it was like just really this, this corporate stuff that I was doing and, and it kind of sparked me where I was like, oh, if I can make people laugh off of like stuff I don't think is funny as all, at all, what, could, what if I were to do what I think is funny? And uh, so I started researching open mics, and I went to the Harvey's mic in Portland, Oregon, and, and been and fell in love with it. Just felt like I had, you know, done the most wonderful of drugs, and, and couldn't find my car for like three hours. And it was just like, this is what I, this is my thing now. I love comedy. So when you did that the first night, did you tell anybody, any friends or anything? You just went out there and did it by yourself. Uh, I was married at the time, so my wife knew. My wife knew that I was gonna go do it, but that was about it. Like I didn't wanna, um, I didn't want all that pressure, you know. And and the more I saw open mics, the more you could tell, like the people who weren't serious about it were the people who brought a bunch of people because they wanted to make sure that it went well for them. They wanted to grease the wheel, you know. Like, if you were serious, you kind of just knew you were going to suck for a while. So you just, like, like, let me go get to work, and I will show people once I'm kind of good, you know? Yeah. Who, who are, like, some of your influences in the comedy world that pushed you towards this, too? I um, mean, just growing up, who, who I was interested in and who I liked. Um, Mitch Hedberg, for sure, who big influence on me. Um, Patton Oswalt, um, Dave Chappelle, of course. Um, and I would also say like some more and Monique, those are two people who really, uh, enjoyed their comedy and, and, but I would say mostly, um, my biggest influence has always been Mitch Hedberg, uh, Dave Chappelle and Lucille Ball. Lucille Ball. Really? That's awesome. Yeah. I love Lucy. Did you ever watch the, I assume you watched those old shows then when you were younger. Oh yeah. All the time. I still do. Yeah. yeah. Whenever I'm feeling blind, a little depressed or something, and that makes me feel better than watching old I Love Lucy's. She's the best. Did you ever perform on stage and it just it never went well for you and you, you had second thoughts about it? 
Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of times. <laughs> the whole f- first four years um, felt like that. It was, you know, not knowing what I wanted to do, what I wanted to talk about. And a lot of times, you, you know, comedy is so weird is that the, the better you get at it, kind of the easier situations you get put in. And when you start, you're kind of put in the worst of situations. So I was doing all these shows and these like, you know, t- truck stops or back of coffee shops and just like eating shit. And you would wonder like, oh, if I'm, am I meant to do this? But I think, you know, that's what separates people who really want to do it from people who are just want to do it for a hobby. Mm. Where do you, uh, where do you think it goes like your favorite place you ever performed? Um, favorite place I ever performed. Um, I mean, probably two. My favorite place to perform in general is probably either Seattle or Denver. I love both those places. Those places usually have been very responsive to me and, and my style of comedy. Also, a lot of Canada is very great for me. But I'd say probably my favorite time performing. Um, might have been when I, I opened for Dave Chappelle, like, in Montreal, right when he was, like, at the beginning of his comeback, when he was first coming back to stand-up. Yeah. And, um, I could just feel how the crowd, you know, they didn't, they were so excited to see him, and they didn't want to see me at all, you know? They were like, get to Dave, get to Dave, and... I, um, you know, I acknowledged it and I talked about how excited I was to see Dave, but I had to do these, I had to get my jokes out of the way first. And by the end of my set, I had like this whole, like it was, you know, a 3,000, maybe 4,000 seat arena. And by the end of my set, I had everybody on my side. Yeah, and so that was probably one of the times where I was like, man, if I can make these people forget for five minutes that Dave Chappelle is is backstage, I'm, I'm getting good at this. Was this before Chappelle did those Netflix specials? Yeah. Wow. Because those were amazing. Even well, yours was amazing too. I watched it again last night, and I'm like, you, you know your shit. <laughs> <laughs> How did it feel filming your first hour long stand up? Um, it's just a dream come true. It was a true dream come true from every aspect of it. Um, from being able to again, I did it in Seattle, which was the place that that I really loved doing it. I was able to take like um, a lot of people, you know, they have to give away tickets to their special, and I was able to charge people and get still sell out. And then we donated all the ticket money to this woman's shelter called Mary's Place in in Washington. That's also a men's shelter, which I thought um, I, I is really important to me because I think a lot of places they like to separate those f- families, and I, I love a place that you know, supports down and out men just as much as women. And um, and so I got to do that. And then I got Ric Flair in my podcast, or Ric Flair on my special. And he was a big hero of mine. I got to wear a big-ass robe. And, and Bobcat, <laughs> Bobcat Goldthwait directed it. It was, I mean, it was literally, I couldn't ask for anything more. It was a dream of a special. Yeah. And, and then the people to get to like it. And The Rock tweeting about my joke about him. It was, it was amazing. How... How long did it take you to come up with that material for that night that you worked on? Um, that was about two and a half years of work, pretty much. Like I had done an, um, a half hour in an album before that, and and that was the everything I had been working on since then. So um, that was about two and a half years. Yeah. Now that was on Comedy Central, right? Yeah. What made yeah. you pick Comedy Central? Because like right now, like it feels like Netflix is just grabbing everybody. Yeah, well, they didn't want to grab me. Why not? <laughs> um, they just—I don't know. They—I don't know the answer to that. Um, you know, they were more interested in me doing it. They felt that I was in a, more of a position to do a half-hour special, and I had done a half-hour before, and I wanted—I was interested in doing the challenge of doing an hour, and so we just kind of disagreed on that. And Comedy Central swooped in and offered to, to go ahead and shoot that hour, so I went with them. Mm. Um, so I'm glad I'm I did, and um, hopefully I'm still you know I'd love to work with Netflix in the future, but I I always know my value and I know what I I don't even you know I don't do it for for to have a Netflix special like even though that's what's popular now I kind of like I go off what what I liked when right. I was young when I was a kid and to me like 
getting an hour on Comedy Central was a big deal. And I know I know for a fact it's not as much of a big deal as it was then. But but to me and my heart, it means it means more to me to get a good hour on Comedy Central than to do a half hour on Netflix. Yeah. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, like we're, we're roughly around the same age. And it's like back in my day, like Comedy Central was the channel. Yeah. There was nothing else out there. Like like I, I would have it on twenty four hours a day sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It's so sad where where it is now. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have any plans for another one? Um, I love you know, I, I'm always I just have plans to keep writing and keep doing comedy and I, I'd love absolutely I'd love to do an hour special again. Um, but I'm not gonna really like chase it down. I think that's that's kind of um the issue now is that they, you know, they kind of have the market corner on that. And so they kind of decide and set the value. And I, I don't want to like, I don't like that in any type of business. So I kind of like, hey, I will wait until you understand what my value is. Yeah. How, <laughs> how often do you write comedy? Like every day you think of something you just like, like if you see or think of something funny, do you just like write it on your phone real quick? If you're out doing something, what? How do you do it? Yeah, that's pretty much it. And then it's always kind of like talking and with my friends and recognizing what makes us all laugh and then kind of jotting that down. And, and, and um, it's just I don't necessarily write a joke every day, but I write every day, you know, like I, I free write a journal. Um, you know, I been write working on my own shows for a long time and sold a couple of shows. So. I make sure I write something every day to keep things going, and I try to. With stand up, though, I, I try to write a lot on stage, which is, of course, difficult right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so you did the you did the stand up comedy, and you know, you even act and you do voiceovers. Like, how did you fall into the acting world and the voiceover world? Did you take any acting classes or anything? You just jumped right into it. No, I definitely, um, I mean, I got a couple of auditions first before I went into acting class, but I bombed at them so hard, and, and but it kind of, like, I liked the feeling, I liked the rush that it gave me, it reminded me of when I started stand-up, and I was like, I want to learn how to get good at this, so basically once I moved to L.A., I started, I got an acting class six months after I moved out here, and, and been in it ever since. Um, the voiceover stuff was more, you know, through my stand-up, people just hearing my voice and hearing my albums and stuff and then being like, hey, come try out for this. And one of the first things I tried out for was was uh, Trolls, and that was really helpful because then that became a big hit and, and um, you know, had sequels and stuff. So then other, other shows were asking me for stuff. And a lot of them, you know, work well in comedy. So, like, places like Bob's Burgers and... Things like that. There were places I already knew. Like I, I, I grew up off of home movies and a lot of that stuff that Lauren Burchard had done. So that's all like, you know, dream. Yeah. So I know you. Like I said, I've been following your career for a long time. One of my favorite sitcoms was Undateable with you. Mm-hmm. How? I mean, this show was amazing, and you guys even did it live near the end of it. I just don't understand why it got canceled. I know, right? It's pretty magical, though, that it that it existed. You can't even really find it anywhere. No. You can't even. It's crazy, but the people who who know know, and it's so crazy because I still like you know get people every day. I get someone sending me a clip from it or something of that nature, and it was a real blast. It was the most fun I've I've had on set, even still. And it, and it being my first job, it was kind of, uh, um, <laughs> it was a bit of a trick of what, what I thought the rest of Hollywood would be like. I thought everybody would be like, hey, just come up with your own jokes, because that's what a, a lot of that show was. They were, um, Bill Lawrence was such a good eye for talent, and he also had two other shows he was running, So a lot, and he knew he had a bunch of comedians, so he would just be like, hey, come up with a joke. You you make a joke here, yeah. and I love that freedom of it, and it was so much fun, especially when we were doing it live to see like Chris D'Elia go crazy on different things, and um, man, you know I I loved it, and I, I still talk to those guys every other day, so yeah. I I appreciate that you liked it. How like so you played Shelly on the show, like how like close, like how personal was was he with you, like similarity. 
Uh, I mean, it was a lot of me because I definitely did not even know how to act at that time. So it was mostly me just talking and telling jokes. And uh, and this, the character was just this shy, overweight guy. And then over time, um, talking with Bill and stuff, and I was like trying to lose weight and gain, gain health and he was like, hey, man, I just want to let you know, like, this character can be whatever you want him to be. You don't have to. We didn't hire you because you were overweight. We hired you because you were talented. And so um, it was like real cool, really cool, because I, I got to make up a lot of bits and a lot of, of uh, things about that character. Yeah. And like you mentioned, like, you know, you start with other comedians. Like I've seen Brett Moore in live. Amazing act. D'Elia, same thing. Glassman. Another funny guy. It's like you guys had like yeah. a that whole chemistry was just awesome. Yeah, no, it's really amazing. And, and like you said, it's crazy that it got canceled because I don't think they had anything that kind of like mashed up to that since then. But um, it's also like it's kind of cool to just lean back and go like, oh, look at all these guys' first jobs, and now look at where they're going, and, right. and seeing right. where Chris is now compared to where he was then, and Brent still, and Rick still. I mean, really, everybody is still working and, and doing better and better. So it's kind of cool to see. Like I'm even uh, a little known fact: the bartender on the show is on the. Um, Trolls Netflix cartoon with me. He plays one of the trolls on that, and so we still see each other there. Oh, wow. wow. So I, a couple weeks ago, I watched a movie that you were in, Jexy. Mm-hmm. Another good movie. Funny. Comedians in it. How fun was it filming that? Uh, that was awesome. That was really fun because it was in San Francisco. Um, I just got to hang out in a nice hotel with with Adam Devine for like three weeks, and it was really cool because it, it was just me being like a, the friend, uh, the friend. And I just come by and ask if you want to play do- kickball and hang out. <laughs> and you know, and Charlene Yee was so f- cool and fun to hang out with, and, and the directors and the writer were just so open to me improvising and doing whatever I wanted. Um, it was a really a lot of fun. You know, it didn't really do well in the box office, but I think it's a really funny, like, you know, one of those old school mindless comedies that right. wasn't kind of like, you know, give you some type of, le- you know, less. I mean, I guess there is some lessons, but it's just a silly comedy. Like Wanda Sykes is amazing in it. I think it's really funny. Yeah, I think it. Um, one night after I watched it, I went online to do some research on it. And I think it only like played in the movie theaters for like, a weekend and i think they pulled it to put it right into streaming service right away yeah i think you're right yeah because they were already the company that was behind it had already just gotten out of the movie business <laughs> so they were just like this is a, this is what we're doing this is our last one here you go so let's talk a little bit about trolls man like when you first got this did you ever think it was gonna be this huge no, actually, I kind of had to be talked into doing it at first because I was I st- still had this like dumb stand up mindset of like, oh, I just want to be pure stand up. I don't want, you know, people to think I'm some children's cartoon thing, you know. But then I thought about all the cool comics that who had done that, like that I love, like Robin Williams and Chris Rock and, you know, pretty much all of them. So, yeah. um. I love it, and it's the best decision I made because it's it's been my most stable job throughout the whole time I've been in Hollywood. Like you know, as undateable has gone away, or powerless has gone away, or other things that I've done have come and gone. The whole time I've been able to work on trolls in one form or fashion because um, I like it and I like that character. That's why like I'm the only actor. In the movie that does the like the TV show, I did the when they did the ice capades, I did the voice for that. Like I just like being that character, and I don't want anyone else to do it. Yeah, that's awesome. Like my my daughter loves Cooper, and I I told her right before I put her to bed this uh, tonight that I was going to talk to you, and she like went crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I I even uh, I even had her record a little message for you, which I'll play for you after uh, we're done recording. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, uh, so, like, how how is it, like, doing the voiceover acting, like, with a, a cast like that also? Um, I mean, mostly you don't because you usually you're just by yourself in a room and two producers. And um, I think maybe I, I got to work with Anna a couple times. And 
Um, and I worked with her on on another movie, like a little Christmas movie. But um, for the most part, I didn't meet anybody else on in that cast. Like the only places that really do it differently are like Bob's Burgers, really, because they kind of do it like a play where they they like to have everybody there so they can you know improvise. Oh, but it's funny because like there's a YouTube video that you guys are all singing on the for the New World tour. Uh, yeah, and it's yeah. It, it looks like you guys are all singing together. Doesn't it? Because <laughs> my, my daughter always wants me to play it for her. Well, I'm sure they got a couple of people together, but I definitely, I, I, I was by myself. <laughs> <laughs> next, For the next one, you got to be like, listen, I got to be in the same room with them. Yeah, no, please. Yeah, I mean, uh, anytime, any chance I can be in the same room with Kelly Clarkson, I take that's it. That's right, that's right. Because I'm sure they're going to do another one. Have you heard anything? I haven't heard anything yet, but I know it did really well. It did very, very well. So I would, I would hope so. Uh, so I mean, that's a two part. I hope there's another one, and then I hope they need Cooper again. That's right. So. That's, right that's right. So you've done other voiceover work, and uh, you've done recently, like you said, you mentioned Harley Quinn. How is a voice in King Shark, man? Oh, I love it. I really like. That's probably um, my favorite job I've done in voiceover because they, they just are so cool and it's so funny and the cast is, is so amazing that I kind of just feel honored to even be a part of it when they have like people like Jason Alexander come on or JB Smoove or again Wanda Sykes um, and so is and then I just get to go in there and just yell and play around and be myself and then I've been getting so much like a great response from the comic book community of people being like, man, I really love, I've never seen this interpretation of King Shark and I really liked how, how you play him and how smart he is. And um, I really appreciate that because I, I grew up a big fan of like the Batman, the animated series and to see how like this show is kind of like an adult spinoff of that makes me really happy. Mm. But my next question was actually, was were you a fan of comics growing up? Uh, yeah, when I was a kid, I was big in the comic books. I kind of got out of it as I realized that the resale value wasn't what I thought. I thought I was investing in my future, and I found <laughs> out that, that wasn't true. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been grew up a general nerd of all types, you know, just video games, wrestling, yeah, uh, comic sure. books, and and my my feature now when we go on the road, he's he's still like major in the comic books. He any any place we go to on the road, that's the first thing he looks up is the best comic book store in the area. Sure. So I you know I end up that's hearing great. a lot about it. Who is who is like your favorite like superhero? Of all time, yeah. Green John Stewart, Green Lantern, because he's a Green Lantern and he's black, and I'm black, and I want to be a fun, wise Green Lantern that makes things out of my willpower and my determination, just like him. So he's my favorite. That's awesome. What's been like your favorite movie? You think superhero movie that's come out the last few years? Uh, Teen Titans Go. Okay, yeah, the car- the cartoon, right? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. amazing. Did you see that one? I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, you messing up. You better see Teen Titans go to the movies. That is a great, oh, that is an excellent movie. And it's hilarious. And it, and it holds up to, like, oh, it t- does so much with the canon of Batman and, and skewers it, makes fun of it, and then has some great songs. It, it truly is an amazing movie. One, yeah, my favorite superhero movie of the last few years. Now, you mentioned you're a huge wrestling fan, and last night I posted on Instagram for questions on Twitter also, and I got some questions from fans. Are you ready to answer some? Sure. So one of the questions that I was asked is, how recently was it that Tom Segura said something about wrestling, and you got pretty mad about that? What was that all about? Uh, he just said that people who watch wrestling were, stu- you know, stupid and that they deserved to die. Oh, and he was saying that wrestling is phony and fake. And so I had to get up in his ass and let him know <laughs> the truth. And so I had to go on and, and I went on his podcast and I had to straighten him out and people will see that next week. So, <laughs> so you grew up a huge wrestling fan, more of eighties, nineties or now? What's been your favorite? Uh, I mean, I like, you know, I since Sam's comedy, you know, it's like I grew up with stuff that I like, but I still 
see a lot of new stuff I like too. So, you know, I like AEW, I like New Japan now, but I also find myself mostly watching like old WCWs from 1995 or 1996. And um, so, I mean, I, I like all of it to tell you the truth. Favorite wrestler of all time? Ric Flair, of course. He's a man, 16-time world champion, and the only guy being my comedy special. So you know he's That's right. right. What's been your favorite wrestling match the last five years? Ooh, last five years, my favorite match. Mm -hmm. What's my favorite match? Probably that match with Gargano and Ciampa at TakeOver Brooklyn, I believe it was. I think it was last um, year, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Cause I was there for that, and that made made it better for me. Um, so I probably say that one was my favorite in the last few years, or um, either that or like a PWG match between um, Dominic Dijakovic and Keith Lee when they were doing, you know, the matches that they're doing in NXT now. But they were, I mean, they were going bonkers in PWG, and that's probably was. Definitely the one of the best matches I've seen in the last five years. So, like, when we were growing up, you know, when that whole WCW, WWE war thing was going on between each other, I mean, that was, like, one of the greatest times of wrestling history. Do you agree? Absolutely. What are, Absolutely. Your, th- what are your thoughts about AEW right now? I love AEW. I love more options for anything. Again, I just don't like monopolies. I don't yeah. like when one company has a grasp of a whole whole genre. So... Um, I love AEW. I like a lot of those wrestlers. A big fan of the Young Bucks. A big fan of Orange Cassidy um, and, and, and Pac. I'm a big fan of him as, as well. So And a lot of the ladies. I love Nyla Rose and, and, and Stratlander. So I'm, I'm a big fan of AEW. And it, it kind of has that little old school feeling for wrestling too. Yeah, reminds you of WCW, but in the good ways, not the bad ways. Right. <laughs> not in the Russo ways. Uh, it, Right, because when NWA turned into WCW, it was still good. It was when that whole Russo thing started. That's why I kind of lost interest in it a little bit, and it was just like it was just too much going on. Yeah, that's what I'm finding out now as I go back. I mean, I grew up, of course, as a kid, a big WWF, WWE fan. But as an adult, when I go back and watch, I'm like, man, I, I like this realism of this of the like early '90s WCW when it looked like. Two guys just slugging it out, you know. Right. Um, right. I was in, I'm into that more now as I get older, um, and so I'm kind of like that. We have that coming back. Plus, like right, like now, if the, if it kind of feels like, remember, like we used to be like glued to our TV, you know, like somebody shows up from another organization, and we get like all excited, and you don't even get that feeling anymore as much. Yeah, but now it's coming back because we know that the revival are gonna show up. In Matt Hardy's in AEW now. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I mean, I'm just always for anything that gives the, the you know wrestlers more options to to decide where they can wrestle instead of having just you know one person decide their fate. I'm into that. So, another question was, if you were gonna do a buddy comedy movie, who would you do it with? Hmm, that's a good question. I'd like to honestly hmm, of course i like to do one with the rock that would be awesome but then people would just think i'm like a new kevin hart trying to take over and i don't want i don't want that so maybe i would like to do a movie with craig robinson i think he's, oh, he's really funny. funny yeah and we 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 did some things together and i really like working with him um i think we could do a fun buddy movie together um yeah so that's my pick me and craig robinson or me and the rock yeah. So somebody else wrote to me, Trolls is all about bringing people together. What does inclusion mean to you? Uh, inclusion means to me is just letting people be themselves and, and accepting people for who they are, not like denying people's differences or that, you know, whitewashing everything, but to let people be themselves and know that we're all stronger together than we are apart. You know, I think that's one of the things that we're learning now for for all the rhetoric we had for like, oh, we're losing jobs for, for over like, you know, this race or that race or these people taking over things at the end of the day is as simple as virus that could bring this whole country to its knees you know and so we need to treat everybody with more respect and have love and love and empathy that we all want shelter we all want to be successful we all want to take care of our children you know i agree with that yeah 
if you couldn't be a comedian or an actor or voiceover, what, what do you think you would have been doing right now? I'd probably be a cashier or in jail or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got to do something, right? Yeah. I'm the guy make ends meet somehow. <laughs> That's right. What's your favorite book? Uh, of all time, my favorite book is what was? Oh yeah, um, All Quiet on the Western Front is my favorite book of all time. Favorite app that you always use? My favorite app, probably Instagram. Favorite podcast? Favorite podcast? Other than the- yours, because yours is good. Because <laughs> yours is good too. The Giant Beast cast. I was this is a comic or excuse me, a video game podcast that I listen to probably every week. So that's probably my favorite. And the last question from the fans were uh, favorite WrestleMania of all time. Oh, probably the one in New Orleans because I I mean I always pick it off because I got to go. <laughs> I got to go. <laughs> I got to go backstage. I got to meet Matt Hardy after the Hardy Boys made their big debut and 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 blew the roof off the place. There were shrimp po boys everywhere. Um, New Orleans just has great food. It was it was all. I mean, it's just a good WrestleMania. It was an awesome time. I I think that's probably either that one or um, probably the one with the uh, maybe the one with Brock Lesnar and um, Kurt Angle, where where Brock tried to do shooting star press and almost broke his neck. I like that one. That too. was that was a great match. Yeah, it was a great match, and that has the Jericho Ric Flair match. That was yeah. amazing. Yeah. So I mentioned earlier you had a podcast too. What made you start a podcast? Getting better, getting better. Um, I just wanted this. I wanted a place where people can keep track of me if they wanted to. You know, I, I do a lot of guesting on shows, a lot of guesting on on um, game shows and podcasts and things of that nature. But I didn't have my own thing for people to follow me if they wanted to. And I also knew if I wanted to make a podcast that I wanted to talk about things that I like talking about and I realized that uh, like like the craft of getting better the craft of, of self-help if you want to call it that or or just really just you know growth is, is something that I'm really interested in that, that people don't really talk about that much like I'm really in a and in so many ways like it always cracks me up in this business that I'm in that like they their job is called development, but they usually are just like, well, whatever you did last, that's all you can do. Like that's you know, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, you're supposed to tell me I can maybe do more, develop me, and so like it's just always funny to me that that people kind of have this weird mindset about continue to grow, continue to do better, continue and 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 how many how. It, goes in so many aspects as far as therapy and taking care of your health and your diet and your and your relationships and I wanted to talk to people that I knew were successful in many areas and, and just talk to them how they got there mm-hmm. and what they do to get there and what they do now to continue and I've been blessed to talk to so many people from different fields whether it's like comedy or I, I had Stone Cold Steve Austin on my podcast and I think that was one of my favorites because here was a guy who literally at one point was like probably top three famous person in the world you know and then had to move on and and still live his life and i want to know what that feels like what that what's that like and the lessons i can learn from that so that's why i do my podcast and i I love doing it It, it, it's probably the most um fulfilling thing that i do because it's not just people going like hey i think you're funny or i saw you in this and you were awesome like i get emails where people are like i go to therapy now because of you i'm i'm taking care of my health now more because of you i I had one lady send me an email saying that she listened to the podcast with me and whitney cummings and, and made her leave an abusive relationship and i was like that like that makes me feel better than anyone saying good joke you know? Yeah, that's fantastic. And and you recently, how much, you lost a lot of weight. How much weight did you lose? Well, that's 140 pounds. Now, how did you do that? Um, I just stopped eating Philly cheesesteaks and started eating oatmeal and working out a lot. I walk every day. I work out like six days a week. I just make sure I do something, stay active. And I have a trainer now as well. Um, but most of it was just... 
I started cutting things out, picking them out one by one. I stopped eating candy, and then I stopped drinking soda, and then I stopped eating again the cheesesteaks, you know. And I just kept trying to pick things that I could, you know, I would try to choose between them. I'm like, right. hey, well, right, right now I don't feel like I can give up candy, but I can give up soda, so I would pick that one. And then I just kept knocking it out, and I keep kind of doing that now. <laughs> you ever had a cheat? You ever have a cheat day? Oh yeah, of course. I got one coming up tomorrow. I'm excited. I'm gonna get a bacon double cheeseburger. I'm real excited about it. Huh? And that's another thing I love about it is now I'm ex- now I'm excited about it when I get to eat this stuff instead of like just always doing it and then kind of feeling shitty about myself. Funny story. A couple of years before my kids were born, I got really into eating better, DDP yoga, and I lost like 50 pounds. I've gained 25, 25 pounds back since then, but now I've started getting back on track with everything. But it's tough. Yeah, it is a tough, and it's a balance, of course. I've yo-yoed a bunch of times. so But, you know, as long as you keep it at that net positive and you don't let yourself go too far and you don't beat yourself up, you know? Mm-hmm. You just keep, that's, especially now, I, I'm struggling now because I keep being like, well, I'm going to work out and be in good shape because I, I might have this opportunity come up. But then I'm like, well, I don't know if they're going to, when they're going to let me tape anything. So might as well just eat some cake, you know? <laughs> so, but I got faith. I think faith is important, you know, like faith is, is highly uh, powerful and it's something that people kind of like, they say a lot, but you know, moments like this is when you're really supposed to have it and really supposed to believe in yourself. So I'm, I'm trying to stay on my diet, stay on my health and, and know that this is going to pass. That's right. That's right. That's right. For your, for your podcast, who is one person that you hope you can get on there someday? Oh, the rock. I love, I love, like, I seriously yeah. love the rock. I think again, he's a guy who made it from, from like, you know, people making fun of him and saying that he wasn't going to make it to the top of the wrestling. And he did that. And then he said, you know what? I think I can make it to the top of the entire entertainment industry. And then he works with his ex-wife. That, to me, is amazing as someone who has an ex-wife. I don't know how you do that. So um, I'm just in, he seems like a great guy. Also, um, I, I just grew up just a huge fan of Carol Burnett. Um, so I, I would love to be able to interview her. I think that would be amazing. Um, so probably those two. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, sp- speaking of like family and stuff like that, you said you mentioned you have a son. Like, how's he dealing with the whole quarantine and everything? I mean, I'm lucky in that. Like, my son's always been real ad- adaptable. I think it's a, a positive that comes with him having autism. Is that he's like he kind of just. You know, he doesn't really go with the flow, but it's like if you set these rules, he's kind of like, okay, these are what the rules are now. They say I need to wash my hands and sing the birthday song. They say I need to stay home. So I'm going to follow these rules. Um, and which kind of like he's been helpful for me in order for me to kind of like adapt and, and stuff to see how how he's just like, well, I still got I got I still have to get my schoolwork done. I still have to do all these things. I just now do them from home on my computer and i'm like man if he can adapt like this i i can i can so how um, just, how old was he when you found that he was autistic because i work uh, i work in schools so you know like once in a while i do go to like certain classrooms and you know you can see mm-hmm. what goes on in there and everything yeah well um he was diagnosed when he was about two and a half years old so it's been you know 15 year journey and and we've been lucky we had a, that he was diagnosed that early so we were able to get him a lot of therapies and a lot of um you know a lot of things done early so um i'm lucky that he's you know pretty talkative and pretty affectionate so uh yeah but it's been since he was two and a half did, did you do research when you found out that this was happening um, I mean, my wife did more than I. I more was like, I just need to be there and support him. Um, you know, I did some reading. I do more research and reading about it now. I'm reading this book called The Reason I Jump, which is about a 13-year-old, which is written from the viewpoint of a 13-year-old kid with autism and his, his kind of like journal of what the world felt like to him. And it's kind of a challenging read for, for me because I can see some of the ways, like the things that he describes and the way my son acts. And um, so it's, you know, it's it's an interesting journey, but it's not something I would change at all because my son definitely made me who I am. And um, and I would not. He's he's amazing. He's a, he's a beautiful human being. 
Yeah, like I said, sure. I did a lot of research on you, man. You're a good role model to your son. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So I did see last night that what's this whole thing about now? Uh, pro wrestling tees and comedians. Oh yeah, it's a new venture. Um, pro wrestling tees is like the biggest merch seller for independent wrestlers, and I've been doing shirts with them for the last few years. And I always thought that it would be a good venture for comedians to do as well, because our we're not really that known for in the merch section. A lot of comedians are always thought it was hacky, but like. As a fan of pro wrestling and a fan of hip hop, I always was like, man, like, like t-shirts and merch can be really cool and really stylish and really fun, and people love them. And and I know that you know when I went to a wrestling show, I always wanted to leave with, if not a couple of t-shirts. So, um, we're, we're pro wrestling tees owner Ryan reached out to me, and I'm helping him get a group of comedians together so that we can have like a one-stop shop for all your favorite com- comedians. And if you want to support them, especially while they're sitting at home, not unable to tour, you can go to comedientees.com, look, see your favorite comics, and buy one of their shirts and help them out. I, in the early 2000s, when, uh, when, I used, when I first started going to like a lot of stand-up shows, we, there was comedians that sold shirts, stuff like that. Yeah, no. They it, still a lot do. do. Yeah, a lot of them do. Um, I think a lot of comedians, especially the younger ones, thought it was like just thing that the rogue comics do that like, you know, older comics did. But I I just like, you know, I I like merch. I like wrestling merch. I like most of my closet is full of wrestling t shirts. So and I and I was like, Man, I would totally buy a Dave Chappelle T shirt, a Eddie Murphy T shirt. Well, you know, and I would hope somebody one day wants, you know, or today, hopefully today, they want to buy a Ron Punches t-shirt. Yeah. I have two, I only own two comedian shirts because that's all those ones I ever found and they're both autographed. I'll tell you who they are. You ready? Yep. They're Jay Moore <laughs> and uh, Dane Cook. Oh, crazy. Because <laughs> <laughs> that a lot, because every time, like. There was another comedian. I forgot who I went and saw. It was Dave Coulier. I went and saw him, and his T-shirt sold out like in ten minutes. That makes sense. Dave's a star. That's right. Full house. That's right. Ron, what's next for you, man, for twenty twenty? Ah. Hopefully, uh, just you know, maintaining my house, uh, keeping all my stuff together, getting married. Um, you know, my watching my son turn into a grown man. Um, hopefully, I'll be able to make my I, I, my whole career. I just wanted to make a show about about my life with my son and being a single dad of a son with autism and and how funny and fun that can be and how heart also how heartfelt it can be and just doing a show about you know being a good dad. Um, so hopefully that will come out some point and and um, other than that, I'll just. Continue to do voiceovers. Continue to, to to act in more things, and hopefully can hopefully we'll get that Netflix special. There you so. go. No, uh, no voiceover in video games. Oh please, yes. Oh absolutely. Any, I would love being a Naughty Dog game. I would love to to just do. Yeah, I mean, really anything, but definitely anything Naughty Dog related. I love them. So please, our GTA, GTA. Come on. What what's your go to game these days? Uh, right now, I'm playing a lot of Modern Warfare. Um, I just, you know, good way to get your aggression out. Hop on with a couple of friends, play some Call of Duty. It's pretty. Sh- this one's really good. Um, so playing that, and then the new one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Modern Warfare remaster. Um, bad playing a lot of Animal Crossing. You know, just getting my 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 island together. And then I've been just diving into some old Super Nintendo games. Me and my fiance play a lot of Super Mario World, or and you know just hang out and play some old school. Ron, how can the listeners find you on social media? Uh, you can go to Ron Funch on Instagram. Uh, Ron Funch is on Twitter. RonFunches.com to just keep up with me. Um, one of the best things you could do for me is that I have a new game show coming out on Quibi, uh, coming out June 8th. Um, you can get a free 14-day trial, so you don't even, I don't even want to, you know, I understand in these in these unprecedented times, you might not want to sign up for another streaming service. I get it. But if you want to do a free 14-day trial, watch my show, Nice One, watch all of Reno 911, and then decide if you want to dip out or not. That's cool, and that would help me out. 
Um, if you saw me on like at midnight or, or um, lights out with David Spade, it's pretty much a, that type of style of show. But I'm the host, and it's like me forcing uh, comedians to look at the bright side of bad situations. Like I give them a topic, and I f- force them to find the positive in, in situations. So I think it's a really fun show. Um, and I hope people check it out because I know Quibi's, Quibi's not necessarily the biggest success right now. Uh, but so if you watch my show, you know, a small bump could really help me out. That's right. So. <laughs> and, for the, and for the listeners, if you are going to go watch a show, make sure it's on a mobile device. It's not available like on Fire TV or Apple TV. You have to put it on your phone to watch this jam- the streaming service. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That because they were their whole thing was about being on the go, being able to watch it while you're at work or while you're in uh, in the commute. And, uh, and I, I don't know why they thought that was you know who who could have foretold. I, <laughs> I I guarantee you they're gonna do something where it's gonna be available on a streaming device. They're gonna have to. Oh, they have to. I mean, they should have in the first place. You know, it should have been an option. We shouldn't be locked into that. But that's a lesson for them to learn. But, you know, I don't think you got to punish the artists because of the mistakes of some tech people, right, you know. Right, right, so right. hopefully either, you know, check out my show. If you like it, you do. If you don't, you don't. But I, I'm really uh, positive about it. I'm really happy with the work I put in. It's my first time hosting a show, and I, I think I did a really good job, and I want to do more. So please watch it so that they will give me the opportunity to do more. So everybody go watch it. Please. Free trial. Free trial. June 8th. Just get in there. Watch all mine. Dip out. Cancel it. I'm not trying to make you overdraw your account, baby. <laughs> Ron, this was fun. Thank you for coming on. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I I would love to have you back on, man. This was fun. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, everybody. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. I finally get my man cave. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the MCC Podcast. And our website, themccpodcast.com. Until next time. time.